1: From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun, our weekly podcast about the weather. And this is the third in our special series about weather and its impact on our lives as the world fights COVID-19. For some of us, we are into the third or fourth week of social distancing. While that seems to have been successful in slowing the curve in some parts of the country, other regions are still seeing incredible numbers of sickness and death. Add to that the simple fact that the weather is getting nicer by the minute in the Northern Hemisphere, and we're heading into a holiday weekend that celebrates rebirth and the beauty of spring. In the midst of that stark contrast, while most of us are understanding the importance of social distancing and flattening the curve, that desire to enjoy the fresh air or see and be with those we love gets harder and harder to resist. In this episode, we'll talk to Dr. Eric Fisher about dealing with defiance in ourselves and in those whom we love when it comes to following through on stay-at-home orders or social distancing, and how we can teach each other about respect in love as we try to take on the perspective of dealing with something like rare disease. Then... I'd like to take a virtual tour together with you across the country with three friends who are dear to me. I work with them. I've known them for a long time. I want to talk to them about their experiences in the areas where they live and how different areas are dealing with this fight differently. First, it'll be Tim Joyce, morning meteorologist on Fox's Q13 in Seattle. He'll talk about the pandemic in one of the first areas to see significant cases, the Pacific Northwest, and his role as a meteorologist in all of this. Next, we'll head to Middle America and talk to Camo Sports Director Tom Ackerman and how that region is dealing and how sports, especially baseball, may fare. And then we'll head into New York City, Ground Zero, as 1010 Winds reporter and anchor Glenn Chuck joins me as that region continues in the fight for its life. We'll continue our podcast and talk to Dr. E in just a moment. Make AccuWeather Daily a part of your daily routine. Enable the flash briefing and say, Alexa, what's my flash briefing? To access this content on Google Assistant, all you have to say is, Hey Google, talk to AccuWeather Daily. You'll get the top trending weather story of the day, every day. Again, we welcome you to everything under the sun from AccuWeather.com. This is a weekly podcast of different stories about the weather. This is our third in our special series focusing on the coronavirus. In our first episode, we talked to AccuWeather's founder and CEO, Dr. Joel Myers. We got his initial thoughts about the disease as the information was first unfolding. Last week, we spent the bulk of time looking at the psychological aspects of dealing with this disease and its impacts on our lives and our relationships, and how weather played a role in all of that. You can find those episodes in all of our wonderful podcasts, like the Daily Weather Insider and podcasts about sports and weather, long-range weather trends, all of that and more. Just look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Just search keyword AccuWeather. All right. This next segment, we're going to bring back someone who was uh, extremely popular last week and talking about uh, the psychology of dealing with this virus and how we're all going to have to cope with it. We're welcoming back licensed psychologist, author, media consultant, Dr. Eric Fisher. You know him as Dr. E from multiple appearances on television and the author of two books, The Art of Managing Everyday Conflict, Understanding Emotions and Power Struggles, and The Art of Empowered Parenting, the manual that you wish that your kids came with. Dr. E, welcome back. Pleasure to be here. So last week, we, we kind of went general things. And I think one thing that we wanted to do in the weeks ahead with you is kind of hone down on some issues. And I think right now a big key is with the added extension to a lot of stay at home and continuation of trying to keep people quarantined president uh, extended the national thought for uh, till the end of April. We're certainly seeing that message being played out in many localities and the areas where it's worse. But right now, as we go here late in this week to to record, I think there's still now that growing angst, especially where the weather is getting good in this country, and that fight between do I stay disciplined in this quarantine, or do I act, actually let go and break out a little bit and do things that I'm not supposed to do? Let's talk about that a little bit today.
2: Right. You know, last week, I touched a little bit on the idea of entitlement and how people sometimes feel entitled to do what they want to do, as, as well as, you know, wanting just to get out there and enjoy the spring that they've, that they've waited so long to, to be able to be a part of, and now they're being told not to. But I, I think what I see now in when you look at a lot of these reports is a lot of defiance. And defiance of common sense from our medical professionals, defiance from common sense or or orders put out by governments, states, communities, that people feel like I should be able to do what I want to do, which in part is entitlement. So I think we have to look at that part there and how that's playing. And I say the purpose of entitlement is it helps us hold on to the power we have when we feel it could be taken from us. So listen to that and pay attention to that, but also know that we want to balance that with pragmatism
1: and logic. And how do we do that? Because especially now, and I I mentioned this a little bit last time, I think this idea that everything should be perfect, this idea that we have perfection in our lives, uh, we see it every day on, on Instagram and Facebook, everybody's life looks perfect. And now when we don't have perfection, how do we really deal with that struggle comes down to respect really doesn't it it does I mean I
2: see two types of respect because as I talk about my different ways I look at power I say we have a we live in a hierarchical world we have like for example big circles to little circles and then we have our equity based model where everybody is seeking to find balance and the two types of respect are I will respect you as long as I fear you, or as long as you can control me or hurt me or take something from me. And the respect of the equity model is doing to others as you would have them doing to you. So I think what we really have to balance here is the idea of, is it a good idea if I go outside, given that I don't know... and? Be around other people if I don't know if I'm a carrier or not, if I don't know if I might affect people or not, if I could pick up this disease and affect people around me or affect myself. And similar to in Georgia, there was just an announcement this week that the um, governor was opening the beaches to tourists this weekend at Tybee Island. And even the mayor of Tybee Island didn't want the beaches open because even though you're not supposed to have chairs, you're not supposed to have beach paraphernalia stuff, there's still a risk that people that are going to go there are going to be in the town, they're going to be walking side by side. If you see what people do, they're not observing those social distance issues. So it's kind of like almost you have a Chief Brody uh, you know, versus the mayor of Amityville and Jaws here.
1: That's on wow. here. Let's unpack that a little bit. For <laughs> You know, we have some younger listeners that may not know that movie. That's from Jaws. And that's when the you know, it's very evident to Chief Brody, who's you know, he spends all day in this community is very evident. To him that there's danger out there. All these folks that come in from other places don't respect that and they want to keep the beach open. It's kind of the same thing. you know. Where does that uh, line go? Are, are you fighting against establishment or are you listening and, and respecting yourself and others with that decision? Right.
2: And even when you have these conflicting points of view of who do I listen to more? The governor who says, yeah, you should be able to have fun at the beach or the people who live in that community who are feeling now potentially invaded and disrespected. The governor doesn't live on Tybee Island. I'm sure he's thinking of commerce. He's thinking of this, you know, people in the state who want to be able to enjoy the spring and get out on the beaches to feel better. You know, a lot of that happens. Attitude is everything, you know, and that's what we have to look at is that if we have an attitude that we can get what we need in our backyard with our family, in the sunshine we have right around us, so to speak, then we don't necessarily need the beach right now. So delay that gratification, until it is safe and until we get our medical professionals telling us it's okay.
1: But even folks that aren't living near the beach are getting some really nice weather. I mean, uh, as we record this, St. Louis is going to soar to near 90 on Mm -hmm. Wednesday uh, before a little bit of cool down. And uh, Florida looks like they're in for record high temperatures and all that kind of stuff. I guess, uh, you know, how at this point, because I th- hear the equivocation or the rationalization. You know, it's uh, we don't do this kind of thing for the flu. The flu has killed tens, hundreds of thousands of people in a season. You know, that's the kind of thing that I hear. It's kind of now these rationalizations. And uh, it's all about perspective, really, isn't it? And how do we know that we're making the right judgments in terms of the perspective of listening to others in this situation?
2: Well, you know, I think, again... When we can start to put ourselves in other people's shoes, and in in this situation, what I kind of see is there's 10% of our population every day who has one of over 7,000 rare diseases. And many of those people with rare diseases, they can't necessarily go out in public or they don't have the ability to because of mobile limitations or because of immune function issues or things like that this really gives us an opportunity to see what their life is like and to walk in their shoes a little bit. And I think that's what we lack when we have our entitlement or we have our defiance and we're not really paying attention to what other people might experience every day. And here we are inconvenienced by a few weeks, maybe a month of time. We have to understand what everyday lives are, action of defiance. You go out and you acquire a disease. What would you feel if you had a parent that you went somewhere, somebody was carrying the disease, you picked it up not knowing, gave it to your 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 mom or your sick child, and they weren't able to survive this disease. Put ourselves in everybody else's shoes and see this issue of this is a short-term thing for a long-term solution.
1: I got two opposite ends of examples in people I'm dealing with on an everyday basis. One is a grandmother who would love to be at her daughter's Uh, birth of her daughter, her granddaughter, but no, she can't. And then I've got, uh, you know, so many people that I deal with that are just trying to stay and avoid their their older parents or grandparents. And it's very difficult because we are so attached to them, not only for just the the love and the caring, but also kind of that feeling of nurturedness and (laughs) especially needed at this time and, and caring and protection that your older parents and, and grandparents can give.
2: You know, you bring up a great comment about love. And I think what we have to ask ourselves is what is love really? Does love come from a sense of entitlement that we, because we love this person, we should be there. And if we're not, then we feel guilty or angry. Or does love come from the idea to say, I love this person so much, I'm willing to forego this time with them to make sure that they're healthy that I'm healthy. And even with their kids, what are we selling our kids and teaching them when we violate, you know, orders, mandates, requests to respect people's space and time? for everybody's best interest and in health. So we have to look at our concept of love. It's, it, does it come from idea of scarcity or selfishness, or does it come from idea of abundance or selflessness?
1: This is a good opportunity for teaching lessons up it is. to down from parent to child, and also from younger to older and less authority to more authority. I think the conversation has to go both ways in your house, in government, all those kinds of things.
2: I agree. And you know, last week, I brought up a a couple Zen cones that I explained the one about grandfather dies, son dies, this is good fortune. This week, it's going to be make medicines from suffering. And the idea of that is that when we we feel like we're supposed to have perfect lives, like you were saying in the beginning, and we're not we are perfectly imperfect. All these things around us are all opportunities to grow. And if we see ourselves not as in perfect health, because that breeds greed and wanting, but we see ourselves as a patient needing to be cured of the illness of separateness, as we say, we can find that we can learn what we need to learn from this about our selfishness versus selflessness, our defiance versus our compassion and understanding, our respect versus our disrespect. These are the things that are all the opportunities that can help us from becoming the patient to becoming the doctor so that we can all help each other heal in this hospital we call life.
1: Dr. Eric Fisher, a licensed psychologist, author, media consultant. His books, The Art of Managing Everyday Conflict, Understanding Emotions and Power Struggles, and The Art of Empowered Parenting, the manual you wish your kids came with. You can also find him on Twitter at Dr. E, that's D-C-T-R-E, shorthand for Dr. E. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. We look forward to talking to you next week. I will as well. On the way in our third special episode on the fight against COVID-19, I'll take you on a virtual tour across the country, checking in on how others are dealing with this pandemic, starting in the Pacific Northwest in Seattle, then next to St. Louis, and finally into the war zone that is New York City. That's coming up next on Everything Under the Sun. Listen to Weather Insider every weekday for a discussion on trending weather news with me, Bernie Reno and Evan Myers. You'll get detailed insight
2: into major weather events and learn the why behind the weather. Just subscribe to Weather Insider on your favorite podcast platforms today.
1: So I want to start this tour of mine out in the Pacific Northwest with a friend of mine who I got to know when we were studying meteorology at Mississippi State. He is now the morning meteorologist at Q13 in Seattle, Washington, a Fox affiliate. Tim Joyce, I'm glad to be with you. So wish we could be doing this face-to-face, but... Like so many other things, we're doing it uh, social distancing and on Zoom. But my friend, it's good to be with you. You know, the Pacific Northwest was really an area that got into this much more quickly than some of the other places in this country. And we'll be talking with uh, St. Louis and also New York here in this little tour of the country. But. Talk about how, uh, what was it, early January, you started to see some of the these uh, cases pop up in Seattle, Tim? Our
3: first, our first case was uh, January 21st uh, in the Seattle area. It was a person who came back from that part of China. And uh, ever since then, this, the area has sort of been on edge. And as the cases started to mount, we did see an outbreak at at a nursing home facility in one of the suburbs of Seattle called Kirkland, and from then on, it, it's been pretty much in the forefront of everyone's mind around Puget Sound and around the Seattle Metro. So, uh, we've been dealing this with this for quite some time. But, but the good news I think is that we're 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 seeing a, a change in behaviors that's manifesting a, a lower count than a lot of other places are seeing and people behaving more responsibly and maybe with their fellow citizens in mind of, of uh, stopping this uh, pandemic in its tracks by folks staying at home and when they do outside to behave responsibly.
1: And that came in Seattle and Washington state with a less formal kind of ordering of it, right? Because uh, there were other places to your South, the, the California and Oregon got into more orders about staying home much before Washington state did.
3: Yeah, and I think, I and mean, maybe that's just sort of a West Coast thing, where it just, uh, you know, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, just leave me alone. Kind of a Western spirit, uh, that sort of pioneer yeomanship. But I think the expectation was here. Here's this. Here's this virus. We don't want to spread it, so stay six feet apart. Do your own thing, but just stay away from other people and try to stay home as much as possible. And so. Uh, We actually didn't have an official stay-at-home order until after Oregon, after California, uh, which, uh, well, at the time, we had far more cases. So it was interesting to see that sort of turn. And I I remember distinctly the weekend because there's a a beach that's particularly popular here in Seattle called Alki. And it was just absolutely jammed. The sun came out. That Uh, was like
1: a a week or so ago when you really first started getting into that first turn of nice weather?
3: Well, it doesn't take much to get uh, a little (laughs) bit of sunshine and some penny thing close to mild temperatures and, and people go absolutely crazy here in the Emerald City. So, uh, right. Well, that's why you have that was-
1: That's why you have coffee in Seattle, right? To, uh, exactly. to take care of the yeah, sunshine, sunshine that you as don't as normally a- get.
3: We don't have sunshine as a drug, so we've got to modify that with lots of caffeine. Uh, but yeah, sun came out, people went crazy. There were people just packing trails and a trailhead parking lots were absolutely crazy. And there's one beach called Alki there was a lot of people and not just people, you know, just congregating, but congregating in large groups and even some restaurants even opened up when they weren't supposed to. So it's sort of from that point is when the governor kind of clamped down and said, okay, let's do this official stay at home order. But he always made it very clear in every briefing he did, uh, Governor Inslee was saying that when you stay at home, also don't forget, go out and enjoy the weather and make sure you stay socially distant from one another but definitely encouraging people to exercise and getting out. And we've got lots of parks and trails here that aren't necessarily all that populated. So it, it, It was always along the lines of of being responsible at the same time that people were getting exercise and trying to enjoy the great outdoors, because we don't get uh, really nice weather in Seattle all that often.
1: Right, and especially how stormy the early season was, and then now, fortunately, and as it normally does this time of year, the storm track has shifted down to the southern uh, coast uh, on the west side, and you guys have been pretty nice. But, you know, I was talking to you uh, offline a little bit, and I think uh, in our shared and and it's funny, I'm talking to you here in Seattle. I'm talking to a friend of mine who I'm on the radio with in St. Louis, who's a sports director. And I'm talking with my friend Glenn Shuck, who's on 1010 Winds in New York, uh, now the really new ground zero, it seems. Uh, but your focus, like mine, is weather. And as a meteorologist, my friend, I feel the the ultimate responsibility now. I almost feel guilty. Like here in Pennsylvania, we've gone from 65 to uh, we've had damaging wind gusts as we record this on this Thursday. And now we're looking at the possibility of overnight snow showers. So, but do you feel a responsibility as a meteorologist to now hone in and really get those minute by minute, hour by hour forecasts so people can get out, plan their day to get out and get a little glimpse of sun and some fresh air?
3: definitely wanting people to be able to take advantage of it as much as possible luckily for us we actually got a ridge that's building and it's uh, going to give us the warmest temperatures we've seen so far this year which is for most of your listeners isn't all that exciting but 64 for us is uh, that, that's kind of flip-flops and shorts weather in april so we're, we're very excited about that so yeah definitely the onus is is on people because i know that they're going to be going out in short bursts uh what they can expect when they do that so these day part plans whether it's going to be an afternoon that's going to see the showers that are going to be away and in the mountains, or whether it's going to be in the morning that's going to be the better bet for them to get out and get that morning jogging or take the dog around the, a block. I uh, want to let them know when their best bet is. And of course, uh, now in the Pacific Northwest, and we're seeing it probably in most of the country is we're really seeing allergy season. Tree pollen season is in uh, full force around uh, our, for us. And so sniffling and sneezing, in fact, I just came in from mowing the lawn. So uh, I feel like if I don't take some allergy medicine within the next hour, I might be feeling it myself.
1: And especially like in the East here where we hardly had any winter, we're we're way ahead of the curve, right? And uh, so yeah, those uh, pollen counts are, are up. One last question, I'm gonna let you go, my friend. Um, look, as as we go through the next couple of weeks and the weather gets better and there's more and more pressure, How do you think that's going to bear on folks? Or do you think we're settled into it in the Pacific Northwest more than maybe some of the other parts of the world?
3: These warmer days are going to be trying uh, for sure because we're so sun-starved in the Pacific Northwest that seeing this abundant sunshine and mild temperatures might make people go a little crazy. Um, But I think, and I'm hoping, let's say I'll wish cast, that people have gotten it. They get the idea. They probably know someone who has it or has had it. And while the stay-at-home order is in place until May 4th for us around Washington State, the governor has always made it pretty clear, and I try to make it clear as well, that it's important to get out, and you're allowed to leave your house. Just do it responsibly. Wear that mask if, if it merits it. Uh, definitely go out and keep those distance between you and the people around you. But, but you can get out, and not only that, but you should get out. And I think if we are forced to stay inside uh, too much, people will probably rebel and just get sick of it. So that's why I think that getting out on a regular basis to really enjoy days like this for us uh, really play a super important role to making sure that we can beat this pandemic back.
1: Tim Joyce is the morning meteorologist on Seattle's Q13 affiliate, uh, Fox-owned and operated affiliate. Uh, you have a cool thing called uh, Q School, Q Weather School? Tell me about uh,
3: it. We're, we're branding it uh, Q13 Weather School, and we've always taken questions from viewers. We're always happy to answer them, but kind of doing it in a more formalized way and kind of uh, doing it uh, so far right on, online. Uh, so you can see on a Q13's Facebook page where you can see it on my Facebook page, which is uh, Facebook.com meteorologist Tim Joyce. And we just take questions from viewers and we try to make it as interesting as possible uh, with some visual elements to try to sort of explain what's going on with their questions about the atmosphere. Well, we got a lot of microclimates here, at least 10 or 12. Uh, so people have a lot of questions about why does the weather do this in this one place and not over here or, or want to know about the seasons and the cycles of what we see in the Pacific Northwest or around the world. And so we're just doing our best to help out those parents that are home with the kiddos to give them something that they can sink their teeth into that's a little bit more interesting than just talking to mom and dad about their earth science questions. So if you got any questions, feel free to send them my way. Hey, I always love those weather questions, Tim at Q13Fox.com.
1: My friend, my uh, brother, and uh, certainly a, a great person, Tim. Thank you so much for being with us.
3: You as well. Stay safe, stay sane, everybody.
1: Well, now we continue our conversation. We move from the West Coast to Middle America, the uh, voice of St. Louis, the voice of the Cardinals, and really an, a companion, friend, and certainly some an information source for hundreds of a uh, 100 years or more what what is KMOX now Tommy in terms of uh, the we're years? coming up on 100 years yeah right well a man that hasn't been there nearly that long but long enough he's uh, worked at KMOX since 1997 he's been the sports director since 2007 and i join himself and uh, our friend uh, Debbie Monterey and Michael Calhoun and the cast of thousands on TIAM every morning on KMOX St. Louis's news radio and i want to talk to Tom about how middle America is dealing with corona Virus here three, four weeks in. And also because of your uh, sports connection, I want to talk a little bit about sports and where we are here with just so much uncertainty going forward. Tom, first of all, great health to you and your family. Uh, Things seem to be well. And for the most part, I think St. Louis is handling. Uh, this virus, uh, as well as just about any area could.
4: Yeah, Dean, thank you. I mean, as well as can be expected, we have a great community here and some great people. And, um, you know, you mentioned sports. I mean, sports is very meaningful here, that's for sure. It's kind of like a a city holiday uh, when you have opening day at Bush Stadium. The home opener is a big, big deal here. The St. Louis Cardinals are a civic treasure. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. And, you know, as we're speaking, this would have been the start of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, you know, all of this right now in the area of sports and arts and and concerts, uh, like it is in many cities, but sports in this town is extremely meaningful for the city. It brings in a lot of dollars. And, but it also plays a part in unifying the community and making people feel good. And so the effects of COVID-19 are felt there. Um, and like most cities and uh, big you know, populations, we're talking about extreme measures being taken, uh, social distancing, wearing masks if you have to go. But it has been uh, something that everybody, from what I can tell, has really worked hard at. I've Rarely been out of the house except to go downtown to KMOX. That's pretty much it. I think that, you know, we're also a very bustling restaurant and food scene, like mm-hmm. a lot of major metropolitan areas. And so many of the restaurants here are questioning what they're going to do moving forward, but a lot of them are very busy doing delivery and curbside services and takeout. So it's been um, a challenge, like most places, but uh, like most cities we 're rolling with it here uh
1: let 's go back a couple of days ago. the uh, Cardinals were supposed to have their home opener and and you 've been doing um, playing some old cardinals games on the radio when uh, in the opening day, which was away and then you guys kind of acted like a virtual home opening day uh, on the radio on KMOX and, and throughout the St. Louis. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah,
4: we did two things, Dean. You know, we, we know that these are very challenging times and we know that it's very stressful. We also know that the sound of baseball is very soothing to people here for the reasons that I mentioned, because the team is so important to generations of people. You go to the ballpark, they draw 40,000, 45,000 a night, and you're seeing grandparents holding their grandchildren and, and generations enjoying the game and growing up here. So we thought two things. One, how could we play a game every night and give people that feel again and so what we decided to do was go back to the 2011 season almost a decade ago when they incredibly came back from 10 and a half games out at the end of august to rally make a playoff spot and then go on and win the world series so we started with the game where they were 10 and a half out that was on august 25th we started running that a couple of weeks ago on a monday night and we had a great response to it and we told people we're going to have a game for you every single day so we started with the game where they were 10 and a half out. And on May 11th will be game seven of the World Series. Spoiler alert. Uh, they win it all. Uh, okay. So Really? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So win or lose, we play the game. And it just sort of takes you through. And then as you join me on Total Information AM, what I've been doing on uh, my sportscast is play along. So I'm like like, like
1: act like that tonight. that that yeah. game, that night's game you're kind of previewing what happened the night before and what right. set up this game right And
4: I will say 2011 in there somewhere but I but I'll say you know we have Cardinal baseball tonight it's Edwin Jackson on the mound against the Pittsburgh Pirates 6-15 start and blah 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 and we mention how far out they are and we play highlights from the previous game we have interviews with a number of people that we've conducted not only in the past but here recently in the last couple weeks via zoom and other other methods we've actually collected a lot of interviews and, and creating kind of a retrospective about the 2011 season so we'll run sound bites of those people talking about the game as well and describing what that experience was like so that's been very interesting and then you mentioned the home opener so what we did was on that thursday april 2nd we did uh, a Cardinals theme all day long, but from four to six, Chris Raby, our evening host, and I co-hosted a show, both of us in remote locations at home, uh, a show that was all baseball from four to six in the afternoon in what would have been an afternoon drive show. We still did traffic and weather, but we did all baseball. We played uh, some interviews. We talked about the team. We, we gave it an opening day theme because it's such a big day and so important to everybody. We had a lot of people talking about how special that is. We went so far as to uh, have the organist at Bush Stadium play some music for us. That's awesome. Because baseball is about that, too. It's
1: It's about about the sensation, right? It's like me and Penn State football. You know, you hear the band, you see, right, it's all those things. It's
4: about hot dogs and, you know, popcorn and beer vendors yelling and, and all of those things. So we tried to recreate those feelings, at least for a couple hours, to give people a feeling of normalcy. And I think Dean, that's been something that was really important to us. We felt, uh, that from our listeners, a lot of thanks, you know, it's been a tough day. Thanks for letting me sit back with a cold one and listen to a game again. It just feels good to do. And so we're going to continue to do it. And if we go past May 11th, we have more. We have a very deep archive. We're just playing one season here. So we have a lot of stuff that we can do, and and we're going to continue to entertain our folks in that way.
1: What, you know, you talked about uh, senses of normalcy. And for me, I think the weather is a sense of normalcy, even though it's changing. I mean, St. Louis just set a record 90 degrees uh, on the day before we're recording this on Thursday. Now it's back to 60, back to more uh, April reality. But even in that topsy-turviness, you know, where we would have complained about that before, it's just, it's like, wow, something a little different, you know, it's not the same thing as being stuck in the house with the same people and all that kind of stuff. So the weather is kind of adding, So I mean, I'm paying more attention to it even myself than I ever did before and I forecast it every day.
4: Yeah, I would agree with you. You know, yesterday, as you mentioned, was a really hot day and we've had some beautiful days. Today's a beautiful day. I mean, it's in the 50s and should get up to 60 according to your AccuWeather forecast. Uh, but, uh, you know, we have, and it's seems gorgeous and, um, and it's going to be a cool day, but I, you know, I live on a main road and I can see people walking up and down the sidewalk, biking. Um, it's nice to see people out and about, of course, keeping their distance, but and I also live very close to a St. Louis County park, which is closed. They've temporarily temporarily closed all St. Louis County parks, but there are many trails and walkways and sidewalks where people can get out and enjoy the outdoors. And I do think that is a big thing. I think the weather definitely plays a part. It, it you can get out, breathe the fresh air, and and have a little bit of a change. You know, I have not gone out and played golf. If I played golf, it would be by myself, I guess. But I really haven't done anything except enjoy the surroundings here close to home. Or if I'm out and it's a nice day, roll down the windows and and drive the car around a little bit. But yes, I think weather does play a big role in that. It was also... Toughness. Some of my buddies and I were texting at the home opener. It was incredible. I mean, it was, it was like a nice day. I do remember sunny. that. Yeah, and we all said, "Is this not like the greatest weather in the history of the Cardinals' home opener? Like, that's a real bummer." Because usually,
1: right? We're, like, I want
4: yelling I at me about usually,
1: rain, right? You know, yeah, or chill,
4: or it'd be cold. I remember one one of them. We had snow. Yeah. Uh, so you know it, that, but um, I do think that the weather has helped. I I, I have enjoyed. Very much the family time and spending time uh, with my wife and two girls, and you know, ordering food, uh, grilling food out back, and spending some time. You know, who's one? Who's the big winner here? Is the dog? I mean, the dog is, He really has just. He's the big winner.
1: He's but, worn out right you now. I don't out know. Are, my and Joel's and my cats aren't sure that they're winning. They're they're they like their <laughs> alone time when we. When that is also true. Yeah. So. Uh, Just real quick. Have you talked to some of the Cardinals players? How, I mean, baseball is a little different where there's so many players from so many different places. It's not like they, a lot of them live in the St. Louis area during the off season. So what's going on right now with some of the players and, and what's their psyche like? And especially with some reports now that they're talking about maybe trying to start the season in Arizona in May. Yeah, we haven't talked to
4: them about that. Uh, We did talk to them. You know, I was down in spring training at the end when it was uh, canceled. And when they were packing their bags and leaving, uh, I talked to them for a few days there as they started to slowly make their way back to either their homes down there or their homes back here in St. Louis or or wherever. But, you know, there were some mixed uh, confused sort of feelings because they didn't know when everything was going to start. One thing that Adam Wainwright told me right away uh, as soon as they broke camp was, he said, i played in front of no fans. I mean, I want to give people something to see. I think that's our role. We're entertainers, and that's what I feel bad about is that we can't give the fans what they want. We'd love to get out there and play, or at least I would, is what he said. Um, I, I think that uh, the players, for the most part, and we talked to Matt Holliday, a former Cardinal. Chris Raby talked to him just the other day. He said, I'd play. I'd want to get out there and play. So I know that that feeling is there. Um, what are they doing right now? What John Moselock, the president of baseball operations and the manager of the team, Mike Schilt both joined me on my Sunday show and they're treating this current period because they don't know when it's going to start. They're treating right now like January. So get yourself in shape, make sure you stay in shape. So when we do get the green light, you're ready to go, but they don't know when that green light will come and they don't want to ramp up the players too fast. If we're still a ways away from starting what it would be in their mind is a condensed spring training before whatever it is they do. I know that there's been the report of all 30 teams playing in the Phoenix area, but for right now, that's just a, a, an idea, a plan. I have not heard anything beyond the fact that there would be a lot of logistical hurdles to clear there to even think about doing something like that. So a lot of the players, I think, are taking it in stride and and doing the best they can under the circumstances.
1: Tom Ackerman, sports director at KMOX and uh, co-host of TIAM. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. That's great insight. And, you know, such a part of spring and fabric of April is baseball and it getting going again. So good insight there. Tom, be safe, be well, and we'll talk to you on the radio. Dean, you too. Appreciate it very much. And now I head eastward into the war zone, as I've been calling it, into the New York City metro. And I'm talking with a dear friend and a colleague, Glenn Shuck, from New York City's number one uh, news station on the radio. And bearing out now in the numbers for this coronavirus, as people flock to get the best information, they come to 1010Wins. They hear from an amazing team, including... Glenn Shuck, who's been a reporter and a anchor for now 20-plus years. And Glenn, it's uh, an amazing situation that is unfolding on front of us. You've seen it all, from the fall of the World Trade Center towers to the other big stories and dealt with all of these key figures that we're seeing and hearing about. It's got to be an amazing situation working to get the best stories out for the people of New York City.
5: It's nice to see you. We don't get to do this, do this no. a lot, and it's an honor to be with you. And you're a good friend, and 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 great at what you're doing. So we appreciate you doing that. Um, yeah, I mean, you touched on it. You know, I'm I'm in my fifties now. I've been at Winds for over 20 years, and when September 11th came, and we worked all those days after that and months, I never thought I'd see a story like that again. Uh, it's different, obviously. It's, it's a different type of tragedy, but this is unfolding to be something. Unbelievably difficult and and worse in so many ways, and it's not just in terms of the loss of life. It's just uh, what it's done to society and what it's done to our psyche. And you know, you and I, I think, are pretty personable people. When you when you're not able to socialize and you're not able to, you know, interview people on the street like I do with John Montone in the morning, you know, it's it's a uh, it's weird. I have to say, it's it's very weird.
1: Whether Uh, and I knew the day It was about a week ago, I tweeted out something about happy to be able to give New York a a day with sunshine. And you tweeted back, Oh yeah, we need it brother. And, and I understand. And I think the weather being as mundane, but today it wasn't in New York, uh, severe thunderstorms and how that added to the mix here today. Bergen County, uh, which is about 15 minutes from
5: the George Washington bridge. And, uh, Yeah. You know, the wind has been fierce. Uh, we talked about, I have a cherry blossom tree in my backyard, Dean, and, uh, just blossomed yesterday and, uh, the blossoms are pretty much gone now. So, uh, you know, I was looking at the tree saying, Oh, it's so nice to see it. It was lifting my spirits. And then whoosh, you know, we had some serious gusts here. I mean, you can say exactly where, but I,
1: they must well, have been. 50, uh, we we had them first in state college, so uh yeah, my I was buffeting while I was giving the reports about New York City here about uh, earlier about how that was going to come in, so I kind of was experiencing it that was a little strange Glenn. I got to tell you and and i and to think about that, I was experiencing what were in essentially the severe thunderstorms that New York City got while I was telling New York City about them coming you know that's kind of it's a weird paradigm we're in right now, but uh, to think about, I just want to get you know, your sense of what uh, is coming in the next week in terms of the frustration with those who have been quarantined. This uh, We've been talking about different areas of the country. I started in Seattle with a dear friend, talked to a dear friend about sports, uh, uh, Tom Ackerman from KMOX. Uh, you may know him, the sports director out there. I talked to him about St. Louis and how they're dealing. You are in the heart of news in New York City, and you Know all of these figures so well. What do you think is coming now in terms of this idea of people, as the weather continues to get better at times, staying within these guidelines? How do you think that's going to play out here, especially in the tri-state area that's been hit so hard? Well, you know,
5: it's weird that we pray for rain. Uh, I think the mayor De Blasio and others pray for rain so Central Park doesn't fill. I went by there Tuesday. I think it was Tuesday. Right? It was the day it was like seventy degrees and sunny? Yeah. Central Park. Central Park was packed. I mean, there were thousands of people in Central Park Tuesday, and that's obviously not a good thing right now. They are staying out of the avenues and the stores, but the parks are jammed, and it's a real concern. I mean, if, you know, they want to go out for Passover now this weekend, and Good Friday and Easter, it's not good. Uh, And human nature says they need a break, and they want to celebrate and be with family, but it's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough.
1: And we're seeing that everywhere, and so this is going to be a critical time for everything. But, you know, part of human nature is wanting to get out and to get some fresh air. And, you know, you've probably seen some creative ways with people doing that in the tri-state. You know, I've seen a lot of videos about people doing things on balconies and things and having, uh, you know, virtual classes and and trying to do yoga and all kinds of uh, things. But uh, amazing how that desire to get some fresh air, even in the metropolitan, even in the heart of the city, right? I'll give you an
5: example too, where I live in North Jersey, still pretty densely populated. There's a guy dressed up as an Easter bunny now, you know, doing drive-bys just to, so the kids see the Easter bunny, you know I mean? Little things like that, Easter egg hunts. There was an ice cream and he got yelled at by people, you know, he shouldn't be in my neighborhood and it's just weird, you know I mean? When was the last time you yelled at the ice cream, man?
1: Yeah, I understand. Glenn, my brother, I appreciate all you do. Uh, We look forward to uh, you and everybody else staying safe. I want to, Also give a shout out to all the radio friends that I have that are doing yeoman's work. Um, Those that are in front of the mic and those behind um, and doing it in situations that we never thought we'd do it. You know, talking virtually so separated, but yet trying to get the message together. We have some really amazing, talented people we work with. I think you would agree, Glenn. I think, you
5: know, we've talked about over the years about how radio may no longer exist. Radio is not here, this and that. This is, again, proving how important radio is to people. I mean, they want to hear a person, a name they trust, uh, getting the information, getting it directly to them, the instantaneousness of, of what radio means to people. You know, we're, we're seeing that morning, noon and night here in New York City, and I'm sure other stations around the country. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. It's it's you know, what I feel like I was almost born to do, you know, I'm out here, we're doing our thing, being safe, but, uh, you know, it's our job and I'm, I'm proud to do it. So
1: Glenn, you do it the best. That whole team does it the best. Uh, we wish you the best. Uh, we'll keep in touch and I look forward to talking to you soon. Maybe we'll do this again in a couple of weeks and figure out where we are in all this. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. I'd also like to thank our other guests this week, Dr. Eric Fisher, Tim Joyce and Tom Ackerman. Friends, as we head into this Easter weekend and into the middle of April, we see some big weather events on the way, including severe weather in the southeast, possible snow in the Rockies, and wintry cold into the plains. You'll want to keep up to date with the latest up to the minute information and forecast on AccuWeather.com and your AccuWeather app, and follow our daily and weekly podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and Spotify. Search keyword AccuWeather. For executive producers Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, I'm AccuWeather Meteorologist Dean DeVore. Be safe and well.
0: Hold up. What was that?